Hello, my name is Autumn and I am an ER nurse. And I'm Will, I'm a land surveyor. And this is the nurse and the novice. Uh, today we are going to be talking about compassion fatigue. Yes. Autumn, Autumn, what is compassion fatigue? What does that mean? Well, before we get to that, I have a funny story to tell you. Um, so we could either do it before we talk about compassion fatigue or we could talk about it afterwards because compassion fatigue can be a bit of a negative topic. Okay. So we could break it up somehow. Yeah. Let's do the story. The story first? Yes. Okay. So in my hospital, there are two towers, the North Tower and the South Tower. Um, the ER is located in the North Tower. So the other night at 11 o'clock, the water in the North Tower was going to go down. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but toilets work on water. No way. Yeah. To the point where they sent down giant water jugs. And so those were rationed to use for water for patients. Water, oh. for, water for washing our <laughs> hands. to like go to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. Yeah. It was used for water for patients, water for washing our hands, and water to go to the bathroom. Which I asked... What do we do with for a C. diff patient? Because you can only wash your hands to get C. diff off. You can't use hand sanitizer. Okay. Anyways, so the night shift was uh, deciding what to order for dinner that night. And I was standing around because I love to be a part of the conversation. And they were deciding what they wanted to eat. They were going through a bunch of different places. Everything was closing too early. And so they were like, screw it. Let's just get Taco Bell. And I was like, guys. And he was like nine or 10. I don't remember the exact time, but I was like, guys, you're pushing it real close. You're going to get Taco Bell when the toilets aren't working. Oh, yeah. Yep. This is no, this is a good idea. Yeah. I see where this is going. And they were like, oh, we'll be fine. And somebody even said, oh, it's been years since I've had Taco Bell. And someone else said, oh, I've, I've never had Taco Bell sober. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you oh, guys for sure. Yeah. This is going to end badly. Wow. I am a dumpster. Yep. And the girl who was ordering was like, oh, it says it'll be here in 15, 20 minutes. It will have plenty of time. Yeah, no. Yeah, so I came back the next day and I said, guys, how is Taco Bell? Um, there's one bathroom that's not too far away from the ER that they were taking turns going to and fist bumping each other on the way out. Oh, just like dripping sweat like in the hallway. Just like destroy, like, yeah. Yep, yep. they would destroy them. on fire. Yep, and then just fist bump each other. On the- My God. Yeah. That's hilarious, is it not? You're not laughing? No, I'm not laughing. Oh, see, now you're laughing. I'm laughing now. You're like a, pa- a paid actor. I paid you to laugh. Yeah, because, like, come on. You could have seen that coming, guys. I like, did. I warned them, but they geez. did not listen to me. Yeah, that's that's not that's no bueno. You'd think all of these really smart people, all these smart nurses, and, you know, smart nurses. What makes you assume that nurses are smart? I don't know. You're smart. Like, I would assume that everyone else is smart, but... Thanks, but when I get really busy, I'm no longer smart. <laughs> You're just mean? I'm just... No, I'm just <laughs> I'm running off of fossil fuel. I'm just going. <laughs> okay. There's no thinking. It's oh, just going. Okay. I had a nursing instructor in nursing school always say, don't be a task-driven nurse. Don't be a task-driven nurse. Think what? about what you're doing. Yeah. So, like, in nursing, we just see an order, we do it. We just see an order, we do it. That's a task-driven nurse. Someone who sees an order questions it... Like, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? What is this going to do? What is this medication going to do? What is this procedure going to do? And when you think about it ahead, you have a lot less adverse reactions. Because, say, a doctor puts in a wrong order. And you say, 
what's this for? I shouldn't give this. Do you think that plays into uh, compassion fatigue? Or just fatigue in general? Fatigue in general. Because using my brain that much in 12 hours is just ridiculous. Yeah. I I feel like that plays a lot more into like compassion fatigue or fatigue and burnout. I always feel like by the time night shift gets in, since I'm noon to midnight, my brain is literally mashed potatoes. And night shift probably thinks I am the dumbest thing to walk this earth because I'm so stupid. In my first couple hours, though. That's why they didn't didn't get you Taco Bell. Yep. That's exactly why they didn't include me. (laughs) Ugh. They're like, oh, Night this, shifts, I'm this, looking at you. This box of rocks. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. They did reveal that um, when I first started, they didn't like me. but They didn't like you? Yeah. Night wow. Sh- night, listen, Night Shift is a gang, basically. Yeah, we, we already talked about night, that. Yeah. Night Shift hates Day Shift. They don't let you in. I'm, yeah. I have finally been accepted. Just a Russian gang. Just the the core said, it's cute that you think you were accepted. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to think about that in the shower tonight. Wow. Okay, so compassion fatigue. Compassion. Do you want the definition? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The definition of compassion fatigue is a term that describes the physical, emotional, and psychological impact of health be- helping others. What do you think okay. about that? What do you what do I think about that? Yeah, what do you think about that? Um <clears throat> I guess my first question would be like how does that differ from normal fatigue? Like, I get the uh, the obvious, like, yeah. you know, you can be burnt out by being compassionate or this, you know, this facade of being compassionate. But, like, how does that, like, in other professions, how can you equate that? So, I think about it like this. Um, we are on the clock 12 hours literally caring for someone, keeping them alive for 12 hours we have to do this we have to care for the family members as well those are the unspoken patients those are the secret patients you know a family member starts crying because they can't handle their family member dying or the patient yeah. dying yeah. you know you have to care for them can i get you tissues can i get you a warm blanket i'm gonna rub your back you know whatever it is can i rub your back no no no. i'm gonna rub your back you don't ask you just you know like the uh, you like uh, soothing yeah i guess you're not a nurse, so you don't really know, but like there's like this thing you do when someone starts crying where you just kind of like pat them on the back or like rub their shoulder. Wait lightly. a second. Yeah. That's not. It's just like a thing you do. I don't know. It's it's really hard for me because I'm not a touchy per- feely person. Obviously. But, but I'm what I'm like, saying is like when you say rub your back, like and would someone ask you to do that? Patience? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In nursing school, they teach us. It was a taught skill well, that, right that, there. I, that I could have been tested on. What? Yeah. So the nursing school or the nursing assistant, I'm sorry, I said nursing school. It was taught in CNA school. The nursing assistant yeah, but that's exam. Not, that's not the same. That's what they taught me in CNA school. Okay, back go rubs. on. Sorry. The nursing assistant exam, you had to do skills. They basically pick a bunch of skills out of how is How is that a skill? It is a skill to do a proper back rub. They what? like there was like what pictures it? and everything. <gasps> yeah. Hold the fuck. Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know if that's um, a state specific thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. But like the rural hospital. You went I, through nursing school here, yeah. so. I went through CNA school here too. Right. So. Yeah, at the rural hospital that I worked at, the little twenty-five bed hospital. Um. Still in the same state. Yep. The CNAs every night had to give every single person a back rub. 
Every, it was mandatory. Well, you, it was mandatory. How? Yeah. How is that? How? <laughs> Compassion fatigue. That's the beginning of it, though. Like, that has to be the tip of the iceberg. Because, like... The tip or the bottom? No, the tip. As in, like... As in, like... No, that is that is the tip of the iceberg. Because it's, like, if you're starting at back rubs... Yeah. How many more layers under the surface... Yeah. Does compassion fatigue go? I've had lots of people ask me to rub their back. It's not a massage parlor. It's not a lot of things. Right. It's also like, not an Applebee's. Yeah. But you'd be I, surprised. You know, I don't see the sign on there. You're correct. I had a patient get mad at me the other day because he specifically asked a doctor for a Sierra Miss. So a doctor brought in a Sierra Miss. It's one of our very nice doctors. Other doctors don't typically do that. Um, and then when I went in the room, the patient said, I hate Sierra Mist, and I need you to get a pe- get me a Pepsi this instant. I've never met anyone who specifically wanted Sierra Mist. Never well, I met think he anyone. asked him for like Sprite or something. There's a difference because Sprite is good. All we have is Sierra Mist. Oh my God, Jesus! Um, how I I don't understand how back rubs are a thing. I really don't. Yeah. I don't get it. That's why we have compassion fatigue. What, what other so what other little things are? What other little things? Like in that in that area of I don't know back this, rubs. I don't know if this counts in that area, but you have to kiss their forehead. Oh God, no! There's a thing where if someone is dying and they don't have family members there, you're not allowed to let them die alone. It's not as bad, but it's still weird. That's still better than. Back rubs. I would agree, but yeah, it's you're never allowed to let anyone die alone. I I think that's more imagery than it is. Than it is yeah, the uh, back rubs thing is really passion fatigue. Trying to think, like I feel like it, as the sanctity, as if I'm if I'm in the hospital and I'm like walking by a room and I see no one in the room and I see someone dying and I see the nurse as the only person in the room with this dying person, I'd be like, wow, that's. That is a huge amount of like courage. You shouldn't be looking in the room. That's a HIPAA violation. Okay. If I was blind and happened to, <laughs> you know, be unblind for half a second and then didn't recognize anyone and see nothing on the charts and then be blind again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. That That's a huge like. Well, I think a huge thing also is that we're not allowed to tell people what we think. So when the other day I had a very, very angry patient, he was angry just to for existing uh he was just screaming at everyone that walked in the room every time i couldn't just be like you know what why don't you go screw yourself i had to continue to at least maintain a certain amount of respect yeah um i think that's a i think people go in there and they already know that they already know that the nurse has to show a certain level of respect and they can push that line. Professionalism. As, yeah, they can push that line as much as they want because they know that the nurse can't do anything about it because they can be reported. They can be talked to a superior. They yeah. could possibly lose their job yeah. over over being unprofessional and uncompassionate. Well, now they're starting a workplace violence committee specifically for these scenarios. So the core that day made me document the aggression and then like write but up that this whole note okay, but like that's still that's putting a band-aid on a well she says like, it's going to get us resources so for what though? i'm excited to see well that's what i was wondering too you know what resources are we going to get 
Is it a sledgehammer? I hope so. <laughs> but but that know. doesn't fix the problem. I know. I don't know. That she's she's just sick time, of it, and and she is excited to be making a difference. So well, yeah, I, obviously, like after working in the hospital system, like you seeing like me not as a you know healthcare professional and seeing the way that healthcare professionals are treated, it's insane. Yeah, and like they the patients they know that. They know that they can push those lines and push those boundaries because you are have to be professional. I think what a big thing that people also see is that, and this ties into another uh, podcast episode idea that we have, but that pain is subjective and that we have to believe pain no matter what they say it is. Right. But... Uh, at like that too a lot of people come in knowing that and use that to their advantage but what okay yeah that that yes yeah that is also an advantageous to people who want to play the system but there are people who come in and say i have chest pain and they don't have chest pain they're here for a bed and they and a that's meal. literally what the patient that yelled at me about the pepsi had and chest pain and then when he got in the room he revealed to the doctor i Broke up with my lady a year ago, and I would like to be admitted because I'm lonely. And the intention from the nurses make my chest pain go away. That is legitimately what the patient said. Did you give him a back rub? No. I feel like this would have been solved for the back rub. But the doctor ended up letting him order an entire meal, including a brownie, which I told the doctor, I'm going to steal that brownie. Not a brownie. And then I I told the patient, you better eat it now. Was it a Cosmic brownie? No. I said, I told the patient, I said, here's your entire tray of meat. I mean, he was horrible to me for hours. So I brought the tray and I said, here's your food. Uh, But as soon as I bring in the discharge paperwork, we're going to be done eating. So eat it. And he had like a good 20, 30 minutes. Eat it. And then we're going to go. He was like, okay. So I come in with the discharge paperwork and he's eating the brownie and I'm like, no, I need to get your vital signs. And he's like, no, I'm eating my brownie. And I was like, no, I'm going to get your vital signs right now. So I got his vital signs. He's mad at me. And then he said, go get me a milk. And I said, no, you are discharging. You don't need a milk. You just drank six Pepsis. You don't need a milk. We're leaving. And he got mad at me because I wouldn't get him a milk. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous the way that people go into there and think that like you said it's an applebee's it's a hotel and it is a massage parlor all in one and man those warm blankets i think they bring people in i what like what other things come to mind when you think of compassion fatigue like i feel like that all i think a big thing that people don't realize people who aren't in healthcare don't realize is what's called a nurse hangover so after i work it's not as bad after one shift, especially now that I have a child. I have to be awake. But a couple shifts in a row, the calm down from that is so... It's almost like jet lag or what we call a nurse hangover where you feel horrible and all you want to do is sleep and all you can do is sleep. You could sleep for a full 24 hours because not only was it physically demanding, you know, I'm constantly breaking my back, I'm on my feet for 12 hours but it was emotionally demanding and it's so hard to care for other things afterwards okay but what does that specific that's just that sound to me sounds just like regular fatigue 
Like it's what hard does to, compassion fatigue, compassion fatigue. How does that play into this nurse hangover? Continuously dealing with all of this all the time. Like, like for my daughter, it is really hard to care for other things after I've been doing it nonstop for a couple days. It's hard to care for other things. It's yeah. hard to continue to be compassionate. Right. Is that because you've had to play this false compassionate role? It's not always false. I I think the reason why nurses after a few years, their compassion becomes false is because otherwise you will hurt yourself. If you what can, do you what do you mean by that? If you cannot put a divide between work and home, if you cannot create false compassion and you're compassionate about every case you see, you're going to kill yourself. It is heartbreaking. It is not easy. It is not an easy career. You know, you you're passionate about this person. Oh my gosh, you know, they're going to live. Next thing you know, they code. You're passionate about this person. They say they want to get sober. Next thing you know, they're back in. Um Right. I think like, so what, like when, when you have so many people in a row that are like you having to give this kind of false compassion about, and I'm not, and I'm not saying like every single person I'm saying like, it's just the overwhelming, uh, cog, you know, yeah, like or machine. Yeah. And, um, what happens when you run into a situation that you like are deeply passionate about and like you just don't have any more fuel right. in that compassion engine we just i don't like do you th- do you th- do you think like you could do you ever think like oh i i wish i could go back to that patient with a fresh mind i wish i could go back to oh yeah oh yeah yeah i've se- i've heard multiple situations of people talking about stuff like that yeah definitely you know, it's like I could have caught this or I could have connected more or even things like, okay, when we get super busy, you know, especially as ER nurses, we have to constantly look out for like trafficking signs, abuse signs, stuff like mm-hmm. that. When you get super busy, you don't have the time to connect with someone that you feel is just off. Um, and with adults, we can't really um report abuse without consent do you feel do you feel like you're making like do you feel like even though like you can't be completely compassionate for every single or 100 percent compassionate for every single patient do you feel like it really makes a difference no i don't feel like i make a difference anymore is that because of compassion fatigue or burnout or how busy it is how the way the health or just day by day just the way that healthcare is shaped nowadays, we don't make a difference anymore. I don't think. Maybe I, there's I think every there, once I in think a while there's a situation where you're like, oh yeah, I really made a difference. But otherwise, it's a pizza party. We're so yeah, we're so busy and so understaffed, and it's just like we're running off of literally nothing. We have no supplies. It's just a giant hot mess. We're just staying afloat. Yeah, I I and I think that's like the best definition of that is like how like plastered everywhere was like healthcare heroes and stuff like that during COVID. Like it's like it's apex, even though it hasn't really officially like come down, but just use that as an example, like plastered everywhere, healthcare heroes, you guys are heroes, you guys are heroes. And then it was like, it felt like a week later it was all gone. Yeah. And it's like, 
they weren't not heroes before. Yeah. And they haven't stopped being. Like, well, it became political as well. It became political, and you put them on this pedestal already, and then immediately you said that, and you were like, "Oh, we said this. Um, keep being heroes, and here's here's a five dollar subway gift card. Go have yeah. fun. You're expected to continue being heroes, but you're not expected to complain about it or need anything else. You have to continue doing great. Hey, things. look, we said it. Yeah. You're that, welcome. That <laughs> that has to be a huge compassion fatigue, like slap in the face. Oh yeah. Because to me, like to me, that says compassion fatigue. Like to me, that says like we were compassionate before this. We were being we were being into our patients before this. We didn't even need this. Yeah. Like you guys just kept just keep the same energy. There's a there's a company on TikTok that I saw of a woman making um, like a whole brand of clothing for healthcare people and on it it says heroes and then it's crossed out and underneath it says humans which i thought was interesting it's interesting but like i think for me my point of view as just a normal citizen like that that was an odd thing as a normal citizen who came from healthcare but also as a normal citizen who doesn't fully understand that scope that's weird because like you put them on this pedestal and it's like they haven't changed like nurses haven't like stopped being heroes no but we had to continue so basically you know there was that panic when covid hit and we had to continue working in the hospitals we didn't get to go on lockdown and stay protected right we had to continue to be exposed to the fire but the thing is is we're still exposed to it every single day right all these other people are like COVID doesn't exist anymore it's gone but we're still exposed to it every single day also i don't hear anyone calling me a hero for being exposed to c diff which is disgusting well yeah that sounds pretty gross and i i mean i I have no first-hand experience with c diff i think that i should be considered a healthcare hero for that get a hero for C. diff. Yeah. And that Taco Bell scare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Lily's poop on the leg story from nursing school. There you go. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about that story? Yeah, I think. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it, it we didn't it didn't need to happen. Like, we know that you're heroes. We know that you guys do like very like it's just a tough, tough job. And then to put nurses on a pedestal like that and then immediately drop it made it seem like, hey, we did this. Don't do it then. Just don't do it. Like, you know, just I just don't see why you would do it like you. They haven't maintained that energy. They haven't maintained that. Like, well, like I said, I think it became a political thing. And then when that vaccine came out, it was like, oh, nurses are on the side of healthcare or yeah. and science and they're trying oh, to force us to get yeah. a jab yeah. Yeah. when nurses. there are, there are plenty of nurses who don't want to get the vaccine and it's fine. That's on them. But I don't know why nurses became a politic itself. That's a good that's a good point, too, is like, yeah, like anything nursing became, you know, like, yeah, like you said, political and like oh you're a nurse so you must promote science like no i'm promoting the you know best opportunity for my patient to live 
Yeah. That always. doesn't necessarily have to mean the vaccine. That doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, whatever. And it's like, I just want to make sure someone's alive or my patient's alive. Like, it's not about science. It's about just keeping. It all comes back to Grey's Anatomy, like the episode where they were rescuing a man saving his life and they realized he had a swat skull on his chest and they saved his life anyways because it doesn't matter who you are where you came from what you've done we will still save your life i don't know swastika guy that's uh oh yeah i mean i obviously don't support anyone of that did he did he have like a weird looking mustache like was this a no. blast from the past Grey's anatomy no, no. okay all right no hmm. just a giant like it was huge I know you've never seen Grey's Anatomy. I can't believe you like brought up Grey's Anatomy chance. when it's a medically inaccurate TV show. It is. Not like Scrubs. And um, the, la- the lady who p- plays Meredith, she was on a late night talk show I one time. I don't know who Meredith is. The, one of the main characters. Okay. The main character. Okay. She was on a late night talk show and they gave her an incentive spirometer and asked her what it was and she said it was a nebulizer. <gasps> that. What a loser. That duck. That I know. floozy. I know. I don't know if she's a floozy, but that. Yeah, I don't know her like that. That. Ugh. I know. That's pretty lame. My gosh. I hope she listens to this. Also, it's uh, very inaccurate that the doctors are doing that much. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? The doctors, they're healthcare heroes, too. They're also surgeons. And I don't know if you've ever met a surgeon before. I have met a. I have. Whoa. There's a, there is one that I know that is pretty cool but he's also he, he's also a very scary person they're, no they're mean he was cool but scary they're rude people he's really into halloween thanks for sharing yeah i i, I think my biggest thing is like how do you discern between real fatigue and compassion fatigue? I think because it just falls in line with burnout but the thing is is like anyone can be burnt out but in a career where you are constantly having to be compassionate and empathetic and sympathetic and just give a lot of like care. Um, that's when you really start to get compassion fatigue. But I mean, it, it can be synonymous with burnout. What I think what I visualize is the big thing that separates like my work, my fatigue versus your fatigue is that you are wearing um, like this metaphorical mask all the time. Like you're wearing this metaphorical mask for your patients, for the patient's family members, you, and you have to just just deal with it. I don't think it's necessarily a mask. I do care. No. But like I said, you have to put a divide. You have to put plexiglass between you and the amount that you care because otherwise you are just going to continue to be hurt. No, you don't. No, you don't care about every single... Like the one who came in asking for six Pepsis and a milk and a brownie. I cared at first you cared, he you, abused me. Well, okay, but that's what I'm saying. He like, used and abused the system and then I was like, all right, I'm done. You what I'm saying is like, you're not, every five you're not complacent. Like you're not just like head in the clouds like, oh, this is my patient. I have to make sure that they're okay. Like it's like you're aware enough to know like I'm just going to make sure that you are stabilized and can go home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big part of the ER, which people don't understand. It's like you are in the emergency room. We will find an emergency. We will see if we can fix it. We'll make sure you're stabilized. We'll either get you stabilized up to the floor or stabilized and go home. Right. We're not going to fix every little issue. We're not going to make sure you have all of your night meds ordered. No, 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 no. That's not what we do down here. 
We're not going to also look at your IBS when you came here for an infection in your eye. Like, no, I, no, no, no. We're going to find. Hey, real quick. What? Wait. Wait. You don't. You can't, like, double up? I mean, I guess you can. But what I'm saying is, is, like, when people are already being admitted for one double thing. Double jeopardy. You can't, like, go in and be like. Hey. People are already being admitted <laughs> for one thing. And then their family members are like, oh, are you going to find out why they've been forgetting things lately? And it's like, no, that's not an ER thing. Okay? Talk to the hospitalist. Talk to the hospitalist. Is that not an ER thing? Or is that just something that you don't want to deal with? No, it's not an ER thing. We're going to solve the emergency issue and then send you on your way. Hmm, that seems kind of messed up. Oh. Yeah, because like... It's not messed if, up. If you go in and you're like... Well, but what if that's a symptom? What if those two... What if like they come in for uh, something? What I'm saying is, is my example, it's not a symptom. I but can't remember the not, exact example. But that's not... But this has happened several times. That's not what I'm I've, talking about though. William. That's not what I'm... Okay. What I'm saying is, what if someone comes in and they say this, and then like 20 minutes later, they're like, I've also been experiencing this. Okay, yeah, that's different. What I'm saying is, is we're, we've already found the issue, we're admitting them, and then their mom and their no, mom is like... No, no, without admitting them. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, what, what, what answer do you want from me? What I want, what would you do in this scenario? Okay. Someone comes in and they yeah. say, my foot hurts. Okay. And you're like, wow, I have no idea what the issue is. I X-ray, instantly X-ray. X-rayed and I can't see anything. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. I'm not a radiologist. And an hour later, they're like, also, um, this is going on. Like, Yeah, you can have deferred pain. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of deferred pain. But you're saying like, oh, we're only going to solve the foot issue. No. So... Only go to the hospital if you have one problem. If you have multiple problems. Only go to the emergency department if you have an emergency. Okay. You hear that here first, first folks. Only go to the and hospital if you have one problem. And we do not have a dentist so if on. You, there are no dentists. Stop <laughs> coming in for your tooth abscesses. If, if, here's, okay. So what I've learned is like if you have a giant laceration on your leg... Oh, no, no, no. You go in for a headache. You go in for a really bad headache, but yeah. you also have a giant laceration on your leg. Are they related? You can only go into the, in for the headache. Leave they and will come not, back. They will Leave not. and check back in. <laughs> I don't want to print off that many um, like your discharge instructions. Your foot's dangling off. Sorry, I don't feel compassionate. We're not a trauma you. hospital. We're not. Sorry. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that's Mtala. You can't tell them to go away and then come back. No. Nope. Uh, we're not a trauma hospital, so what do we do? Stabilize them. And send them to a trauma hospital. Yeah, but but you can't do that if they have two two things going on with them. Yes, you can. No, you just said that you head, can't. Your headache. You probably have a headache because your foot is dangling off. No, 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 no. Probably no, from no, the no. screaming. No, 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 no. Okay, what if you're having like? Okay, all right. Your foot's dangling off, and then the this other game is annoying me. It's not a game. It's a, okay. this is real life. Some people have these right. problems. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm advocating for them. All right. <laughs> Someone comes in and they're like, "Hey, I have this very vicious snake bite on one leg, and then my other leg is like." Do we have vicious snakes around here? We are now in Australia. Yes. Okay. So okay. vicious snake bite, and then their foot's dangling off. You can only go in for one thing. No, that's not what so, I'm saying. So what I no, okay. what I'm saying is no, no, no. My exact example was that someone came in for something. We solved that issue. We know what's going on. We're gonna send them upstairs, 
And then they wanted us to treat something that was completely unrelated. But the, I'm saying that this like, was oh, before you know what? My IBS upstairs. medication actually hasn't been working lately. Right. I know right. my femur's broken, but also. Right. Some people don't know that. My femur's that, broken, but that's also why I'm using my, my herpes example. is out of control. That's why I'm using my example. Because some people hear hospital, they see hospital and they're like, they can fix all of my medical issues. But they don't know that the, the emergency room is different than the entire hospital. Also, we can't fix everything. There's so many different like tests and stuff. Like we don't test for dementia in the ER. Please stop bringing me mom, me ma in because she's been forgetting things. I'm. We can't test her for dementia. That in the sounds ER. like your compassion fatigue talking because you like, can't. You literally yeah, can't. but like you can still be like, hey, where are you? Like yeah, I can ask orientation questions and then what? And then send them home. <laughs> okay. Just one, just one neuro assessment and then you're on your way. Yeah, it would be a waste of your time, but that's job security. So you're welcome that Mima came in to figure out her, dem- her dementia issues. So I'm a nurse. I could work anywhere. I, okay. All right. Well, whatever. You have job security. There's ground everywhere. There isn't a place where there's there isn't ground. Except for where there's, there's not always construction happening. They don't need construction. There could be people who just want their property lines. Yeah. Sometimes I get compassion fatigue about that. Sometimes no, I feel compassion no, fatigue. Nope. They're like, hey. <laughs> and all the nurses have logged off. Logged off? Yeah, they Why? logged off. Why? I know. I, I, I feel, I, no, I feel a different, very different type of fatigue, but it's not compassion fatigue. Okay. Walking fatigue? Standing out in 90 degree weather fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. That's way worse than your fatigue. My fatigue is an empty Gatorade bottle being thrown at my head because that's, I didn't get them a warm blanket fast that's enough. That's compassion fatigue. You have way worse. Because com- I was busy you, doing compressions. You have way worse compassion fatigue than I'm I do. I'm kidding. No one uses, com- no one does compressions anymore. We use the Lucas. Nice. Yeah. Just some guy in the class. <laughs> some Lucas. Somebody some grab guy. Lucas. I'm glad that, I'm glad that we kind of. We went away from the negativity of compassion fatigue to some guy named Lucas sitting in the closet. Lucas. We can joke hey. about Lucas. Lucas. Hey, Luke. Can you come do uh, compressions? I I don't know of another profession that would be that would equate to nursing compassion fatigue. I suppose teaching. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like middle school teaching. Would probably no. be. Oh my god, younger. Mm, yeah, okay. Elementary school teaching and middle school teaching. So probably from any like of it. First grade to eighth grade. Probably any of it. I think, you know what? My point earlier when I said that, you know, you have to put up something in order for you not to get your feelings too mixed into it so you don't end up hurt. I think that's just uh, something that we've developed because of compassion fatigue. Because we've been so compassionate and then we lose these patients and it just breaks our hearts so many times that we're just tired of getting our hopes up. And so then you become fake compassionate where you put on that mask where you, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So callous, jaded, so you'd as rather, Aerosmith would say, jaded. Nice. So the, so you'd rather... You'd rather be burnt out by fake compassion than have your heart broken by. Yeah. So it's a prope- it's a prope- protection mechanism. 
protection mechanism that's occurred because of compassion fatigue. Yeah, and burnout. But it's so at the beginning of the um, pandemic, a lot of um, hospitals were doing a lot of different research um, and quality assurance stuff to figure out the best ways to help prevent compassion fatigue so they wouldn't lose nurses like they've been losing like crazy. Because it, it, we had never needed as much research on it than we did right at the beginning of the pandemic and within that first year because, you know, it was traumatic for people just moving people out in body bags to giant freezer trucks. And so, I th- yeah, I think a big part of it is like constantly getting your hopes up and then like losing people is traumatic and that's compassion fatigue. But also the things that they were coming up with was, okay... Let's uh, meditate or the healing touch nurses. Oh, the ones with great back rubs. No, they come in and they go like this. They hover their hand an inch over your body and they, that's their healing touch. Stop. Like Reiki. No. Yeah. Instead of a raise. I don't know about you, but that COVID pay really helps my compassion fatigue. Stop. I need to go back to that healing touch thing. That is a real thing. Yeah. They have it at our Where hospital. You? Yeah, they will all I know that's not body. very good podcasting to Yeah, no. Do that. You hold the, your hand an inch or two above the person's body and They you have move it designated around. nurses doing this or they yeah. just teach every yes. nurse. No, they have designated nurses do it. They come at certain times or you can call the the Do they know that this is not Tibet? Nurse. Like 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 that's not like Reiki isn't like that's not Hey, don't Reiki's not gonna take away your Ebola. Like Well, we don't have Ebola. That that's not the that's beside the point. Reiki's not gonna take away your foot dangling off One your One of my coworkers came up with a fun nickname for monkeypox. Mopo. Okay. That's it. Fantastic. I I'm still not over the um Hover hands. Yeah, so I think we I did a research paper on it as well in nursing school because I graduated right at the beginning or within the first year of the pandemic about... I don't remember that. Compassion fatigue. Well, because I didn't tell you everything I did. Well, I have an honorary degree, so um, you were supposed to. I did, yes. I did do a paper on it. Um, and yeah, they basically just did, told people to meditate. What the fuck? Yeah. And there were so many people. <laughs> wow. There were so many people. Like there was areas in the country where people were getting hazard pay. And, you know, the hostels around here were like, go meditate. Go meditate. But don't take Medi- a, but don't take Med- a sel- uh, mental health day. Meditate. God forbid you take, take your, a mental health day. Take your three-minute break and yeah. meditate. No, do, no, no. Do some downward dog. Do it dog. at the computer, actually, because we don't do have time. Do some downward dog and some upward dog. And some and do a cactus pose, and that's you'll be yoga. fine. And that's you'll be not fine. meditation. That's part of meditation. No. Yes, it is. You can meditate during yoga, but yes. yoga is not a part of meditation. No, it's a form. It's a form of meditation. Okay, I'd say it's a form of meditation. Yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily like lining lining your chakras, but it's it's a form of meditation. Like it's physically like you you can see like a lot of monks do that, like they'll. It's not necessarily upward dog and downward dog, but there's yoga poses that okay. help align. Your Mopo. 
All right, yes. you you went on a tangent about Mopo. All right, I didn't whatever. Go on a tangent. It was you a very you told a story about Mopo. All right, Mopo. I get my story. I get my chakra the story. Ne- you're like screaming into the mic. Yeah, so they can hear my chakra story. There's so many people that are like, it's chakra. It, it's either. I think it's either chakras. It's chakras like chakra. Align your chakras. This is not an ASMR podcast. <laughs> Whatever. I just I. So what have we learned about compassion fatigue? What have we learned about compassion fatigue? Back rubs. What I've <laughs> meditation. Back rubs, meditation. Never let your patient eat a brownie you, without milk. You wear a mask. You wear a metaphorical mask. And also a face mask. Because we're yeah, still I, in yeah. a pandemic, I folks. sure hope it does. We're still in a pandemic, yeah. folks. Man, this was this was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. It started, Apart, it kind of felt a little sad. But thanks yeah, for listening, guys. Yeah. Hope you tune in next week. Yeah. Share hope. it with your friends. Yeah. I hope, and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed. Don't order Taco Bell when you don't have a toilet. <gasps> That's the number one thing. I'm coming for you, night shift. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys.